0: Father, as we worship, we remember two things well. We are great sinners, and Jesus Christ is a great Savior. So when we hear these words, familiar, we are reminded, Lord, that it was our sin for which Christ had to pay. And we are grateful to you, Father. And we are thankful, Lord, that someday we will stand before your throne complete. Because in this world we are imperfect and we are incomplete and we are painfully aware of that. But we don't want anybody to think that we think for a moment that anything we endure here is paying for our sins. Because we believe that you paid it all. And so we come as you have invited us to. To reason with you. Believing God that though our sins are as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. And though they are red like crimson. They shall be as wool. And out of gratitude father. We want to live for you. God, we don't want to grieve you because you have been way, way too good to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is good to be home with you and I am refreshed and ready and I really... I had to come home um, for a number of reasons, Um, not the least of which was that marvelous wedding yesterday afternoon for two of our kids. I watched them grow up from the third grade, two families in our church. that I know their grandparents and parents, and now they're um, married, and and it was a beautiful time together. And then tonight with... um, the GA and Actine recognition. This is the first night I get to hear those timeless words, Casey from the House of Brooks. And I've been waiting for that for a long time. So um, as we recognize those girls, it will be it will be great. Um, I've been reading the scriptures a lot. What would you do if you had seven weeks away? It's kind of a daunting thought. And the first couple weeks I was with our choir and orchestra, and uh, what a marvelous job they did. I'm sure you've heard, but in Brazil, they were so well-received, and it was great to get to spend time with uh, all of you. I am grateful for that trip. It was remarkable and life-changing, and then I think it takes a couple of weeks to disconnect, but the whole time, I was thinking about those words that I left you with from Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, Let's say we have no power, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. And on this trip, if you wonder, what did you do for all those weeks? Well, I, I read a lot and I, I visited with family. I, I think I spent some of the best time I have ever spent with my mom and with uh, my brothers and my dad sort of before the trip earlier in, in May. I have visited cemeteries. I know that doesn't sound very exciting to you, but I really in, enjoyed that. And I, I ran beside the Columbia River in Washington State, and I ran beside still waters in the Cumberland Gap National Park. Uh, I ran with the deer there. The, I would run, and they would run out in front of me. And uh, I went to church a lot. I mean, a lot. I, one weekend, I went to three. At least, one, at least one weekend, I went to three different churches. And I sort of time it that way so I can get to eight o'clock service at one and 9.30 at one and 11 o'clock at the other. And and if you ask me why, I would just say because I really love church. I, I have friends who uh, are in the ministry. It's conflicting for them because they, they, they love church, but they really don't like people. And um, <laughs> I don't know what that would be like, but but I love people and I love being in God's house. And I believe we were made... For this, just like we were made to breathe oxygen, we were made to give glory to God and to worship Him with all of our all. And um, this fall, I feel led to think with you about uh, our theme, our sort of vision as a church to make disciples through worship, instruction, service, and evangelism. And I wanted to begin with worship these first three weeks, and then the next sort of mini series will begin of the second week in September. It'll last through the rest of September called Family Bible. And we'll think together about the scripture in our homes. But I'm convinced of this, before we can make disciples, we have to be disciples. And one thing I know about disciples is that disciples worship. They worship, we worship because our God is worth it. Because for people like us, though everything else can wait, Worship can't wait, and so we, like those early disciples, are all in. Would you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47? I suppose for about 20 years now, I've been coming back to this text. When I want to understand the church, I'm grateful for our heritage, by the way, Um, but really this is the rock from which we are hewn before there ever was a denomination there was a church and um, that church was very powerful and we are grateful for that church and let's study it together and think together. Would you stand with me as we read God's word and as you're standing and turning to that, can I just say thank you to you for allowing me to go and study and thank you to this staff who carried an enormous weight of ministry in my absence and thank you to all the preachers Um, who preached in my absence. I've heard all the sermons except the one from last week. Um, I've listened to every one of them along with you. uh, You know, about 24 hours after you heard it, I heard it. And I'm grateful to those preachers. And God spoke uh, through them to me and I think to all of us. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Acts 2, verse 42, all in. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you, you may be seated. Worship couldn't wait for the early church. This group of people that's mentioned as they in verse 42 is technically 3,120 people Because the day before, they started with 120 and grew in a single day by a multiple of 25. So from 120 to 3,120 in a single day. And they were disciples. I know we use the word Christians. That word is used sparingly in the New Testament. But the word disciple is used again and again. And these disciples were all together. And they were all in, and it was all the time. I love about this early church, just those first few words, they devoted themselves. The, the word means that they were strong toward. It's used again later in this passage where it says continued steadfastly. They, they shared their lives. They committed themselves to, to learning what the apostles were teaching. They, they wanted fellowship. They loved to break bread. And share the Lord's Supper. We'll do that in two weeks. And they loved to pray. And as they shared their lives together, God used them not just to reach the city of Jerusalem, but to reach the surrounding areas as Jesus had predicted that they would go to Judea and then to Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you would receive it, we are here this morning because these followers of Jesus Christ were all in Because they devoted themselves. The word literally means they were strong toward these things. They were strong toward the apostles' teaching. Tell me what you're strong toward, what you're devoted to, and I'll tell you what you worship. I remember Grady Nutt used to say, and Melanie and I sort of uh, fulfilled this in our days at Baylor. We had our devotional times in, in Miller Chapel. And as Grady Nutt said, I was devoted to her and she was devoted to me. You can be devoted to any number of people, any number of things, whether sports or material things or your job, your career, but whatever it is that that you think about when you wake up in the morning and the last thing you think about when you go to sleep at night, whatever consumes your interest and your energy, whatever you use to, to... focus the infrastructure of your life that is your object of worship and for these believers it was God they were god centered as james macdonald says they were a vertical church and they were focused on god and i suspect thomas was there that first day after pentecost because he had made the mistake once of missing church and when he did all he missed was the risen lord He missed the resurrection. And I suspect for Thomas, it doesn't say some of them, but they were there and they devoted themselves because they didn't want to miss what God was going to do. And I would argue the same thing is at stake for us when we consider corporate worship as a family of believers. When we miss, all we miss is the resurrection That's why they moved worship from Sabbath to to Sunday and made Sunday the Lord's day. And every Sunday morning, I write in my journal, the Lord's day, because that was the day when Jesus demonstrated his lordship once and for all. And out of gratitude for the grace that paid it all, they wanted to be together. They wanted to be together all the time. And they shared their lives together, and they fulfilled the mission that God gave to them. Not with partial commitment, but with full commitment. You have heard that it was said by church growth gurus 20 years ago, we shall lower the bar just so we can take people any way we can get them. But I say to you, the risk for the church today is not that somehow we've set the bar too high but that we've set it too low. It's those who are fully committed followers of Jesus Christ who multiply. It's those who are devoted to the apostles' teachings, who who don't miss the chance to fellowship, who love to break bread together, and who love to pray together. It's those people who will shake the world, and the world will not be won by partially committed followers of Jesus Christ. But by those who are all together, who are all in, all the time. Let me show you in these verses, verses 42 and 43, it says they were together, they were all there, they devoted themselves, and this word together is used several times in verse 44, they were together and they met together, verse 46, and they broke bread in their homes and ate Together together is a theme. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 6, it says they were together. This in itself is no small miracle because those early disciples didn't really get along that well. And suddenly they were thrust together by the reality of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And and they finally got it right. These who couldn't pray in the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 1, verse 14 says they prayed. They didn't do anything without prayer. And we read in chapter 2, verse 1, it was while they were together. That the Spirit of God came and Jesus said, if two of you agree on anything, if you come together, there I will be. And this is what's at stake, that when we're together, we're together with the Lord and he is among us. And if you ask me why it says they, and it seems inclusive, that that literally all of those people were together together. I would say when you realize the fact in verses 40 and 41 that they had turned from their sin, they had repented, they had been gloriously saved, where else would they be but together? They had this one thing in common though they were incredibly diverse. Just read the list earlier in chapter two of all the places they came from. But they were together because they had the one thing in common that matters the most. One of my trips was up to Washington State and uh, I have a cousin up there I hadn't seen since Chase was two and a half years old. He's the same age as I, about a month older than I am and we both turned 50 this summer and so I went up to see him for the first time in 16 or 17 years and his father and and, uh, mother, my uncle and aunt, my dad's brother and his wife, first time in 21 years, they were keeping count. They told me how many years it had been since I had seen them and and I was committed. I wanted to worship every, everywhere I went, but I was just thinking, how do I acclimate? Because I don't know where they are with the Lord. I don't know if they go to church or what church they go to. And I just thought, well, I'm going to, you know, I didn't, I didn't rent a car. I just rode with them. I thought, you know, I'm just going to go where they go. But I want to be in worship. And before I could even ask my cousin when he picked me up from the airport, he said, Duane, you need to know that my wife was saved And that she was baptized, and we're part of a church, and we were hoping you would worship with us tomorrow morning. And I sat with him and his wife and his two teenage sons, the five of us, worshiping God, singing the same songs we sing, giving thanks to the God who saves. And I was glad to be together with them in worship. Along the way, I um, worshiped in, in Tennessee in a little church that my Three great grandfather and four great grandmother started back in 1852. I went to Sunday school that morning. I'm serious about church. I went to Sunday school and I sat in the senior adult class. They said I could go to the young people's class, but what I needed to know about my family resided in that group of older adults in that room, and so I wanted to be with them. And and after Sunday school, they introduced me to their pastor, and and he was on radio. He put me on radio praying at the beginning of the service, and. And he was preaching Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, which really relate to being together, where where the writer of Hebrews says, you know, um, we want you, since God has made a way for us to enter into his presence, we want you not to neglect the assembling of yourselves together. As some are in the habit of doing, that was his text. I didn't know that right before the service, he had found out that three of the men in his adult choir decided to play golf that morning. And and he was bothered by that. And I tell you, when a Tennessee preacher gets bothered, everybody's gonna find out about it. And and so he started preaching and he just commenced to preach. And he said, what would you people do if somebody said, where's the pastor this morning? And he said, oh, I saw him going down to the lake. Wouldn't that bother you? And you know, preachers, they just kind of, Lester, give give me a witness here. They'll just kind of respond to what's in the room. And he looked down and saw me on the front row and I could just see him. I thought, don't go there, but he did. He said, now this guy, for instance, He left his church for seven weeks. How would you feel if I did that? I thought, bring it around, man. I'm on vacation and I'm in church. But no, he was making a point. And it's important for us to come together and to be together like they were all together. And notice that not only were they all together, but they were all together. In. I don't think you can miss that in these verses, verses 44 and 45, and we'll be looking at all these verses a lot over the months to come, but just catch this, that they had everything in common. They didn't live sort of individually wrapped lives, but they shared life together in a symbiotic way. They were, they were completely committed, verse 45, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need they were all in I mean there was nothing that they were reserving and if you ask me why were they all in I I would say to you they had just heard the story that God sent his only son to die on the cross and nobody here can question that Jesus Christ on the cross was all in and they were all together and all in resonated with um Romans chapter 12, verse one, as I listened to one of our preachers talk about that in my absence. And just that, that image of, I urge you therefore, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You know what this means. This means that that for us, the measure of worship is not what we put in the plate, but whether or not we're willing to get in the plate, whether or not we're willing to give our whole lives. And the problem with living sacrifices, one poet has said, is that they're always crawling off the altar. But living sacrifices are those who are all in, who give their Whole lives to the worship of God, willing to give everything they are. One of my first deacons at a little church in Falls County, Roy Hudson, he met me on the steps of the church the first day I went to be uh, their pastor. Um, he met me there, and he was a farmer, and uh, he and his wife sort of took me in and helped raise me, and I, I, I love them to this day. They're, they're with the Lord, but I was back uh, in Falls County for a funeral not long ago, and there, uh, their nephews and nieces and kids were there and there's just this bond with them and Roy loved this story he told it over and over again about the the farmer and how he was such a good man that the animals on the farm loved loved him and they loved him greatly and one day the chicken said to the pig you know I've been thinking about it we ought to do something for that farmer why don't we pool our resources and give him a ham and eggs breakfast why don't we do that And you can imagine the pig did not think that was a good idea at all. And the chicken wondered why. And finally the pig said, you don't understand because for you, that's a donation. But for me, that's a total commitment. (laughs) For, For him to have ham, I have to die. And you understand these early believers were not making donations to God, but they were totally committed and I think it takes a totally committed church to make a difference in this world that we would be all together and we would be all in and notice it was all the time so in verses 45 and and 46 it says every day 46 and 47 every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. so they were always at worship they were always together all the time So worship wasn't something they checked off on their list of things to do that week as if we could give God an hour of a day or even a day and then do whatever we wanted the rest of the week. What they understood was the God who is omnipresent was always with them all the time so they were always at worship, always in the presence of God. I remember about three years ago when the Lord blessed us with Casey and she came into our home and she came from an environment where she had rarely been to church. And then suddenly she was in this family that was like church on steroids. I mean, always, always in church. And it wasn't lost on her and you know I remember the first Wednesday night she was like really because we did this Sunday and I'm like, yeah I know but it, it's Wednesday and and Sunday night and Saturday night and just all the time I mean Melanie was teaching Bible study on Saturday night and said you know what I can't take her to church Saturday night and Sunday morning and so we're just going to choose a day and go with that and and finally that first Easter came and she just put her feet down and she said I'm done I am just done with church y'all y'all are killing me she said I mean, it's a holiday, let's just take the day off. (laughs) And I I said, "Well, well, wait a minute, this is Easter. She said, exactly. I mean, we deserve a day off. I said, no, 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 of all the days we would take off, it wouldn't be this day, this is the main event. She said, you all make everything religious. I said, no, but Easter really is religious. I mean, it's the resurrection itself, And what I think kept these people together every day is they couldn't get over the fact that Christ was raised from the dead and every day was Easter Sunday for them. Christ was always risen from the dead and because he was risen, they had to give their lives and live their lives for him. And God calls us to this. Ortberg tells about His church uh, gathering together in what he called the great experiment this past Easter. He challenged them for a a period of weeks to focus on being present to God all the time. And he was telling about going to a committee meeting and he had two hours and he couldn't get it all done. And he he was getting ready for this committee meeting. And finally the Lord said to him, John, the next two hours are going to happen. You're either going to do them with me or without me. Which will it be? And I want to say to you this morning, the days are going to turn into months and the months are going to turn into years and and it's going to happen. And the only thing you and I have got to figure out is whether or not we're going to be with the God who is with us all the time focused on him so that we don't compartmentalize our lives and sort of subjugate worship to a section of our lives, but we realize that we don't come to worship to evaluate. We come to worship to be evaluated by God. We're, we're not the audience. God is the audience, and we on the platform are the prompters, and every one of us is a performer. And how did we do today, Lord? Did we worship you with all that we were? Were we all together... Were we all in all the time? Let's pray. God, thank you for your presence in this place and for the chance to love you. God, we didn't want to miss the chance to encourage each other by being here and by loving you publicly, singing to you, focusing on you. And God, help us, I pray as a church, to hear these words and to change our lives. Lord, we want to be transformed by your grace so that we can become agents of transformation in this city, in this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.